Welcome to a new episode of The Brand Called You. Today, I have an old friend, person who's one of the tallest HR leaders of this country and someone who's become an educator and entrepreneur, Anil Sachdev. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Anil is uh, the founder and CEO of Grow Talent Company and the School of Inspired Leadership. He has worked for Tara Motors and Aisha Motors, and he's a speaker at business schools around the world. So Anil, tell me a little bit about your early life, professional life, and maybe some of your learnings. So I was born uh, the fifth child to an army officer okay. in Pune. And early childhood was very uh, sort of happy. Then we moved to Avadi, Chennai, moved to Delhi. And there were some defining moments in my life at that time. You know, India lost the war to China in yeah. 1962. Yeah. And I'll never forget Ashutosh, the scene. We used to live near Pusa Road. And I saw, you know, the coffins of the Jawans coming back. And the Army Wise Welfare Association came to ask funds for the Jawans' widows. And middle-class families in Delhi, you know, removing all their jewelry and just donating. This had a profound impact on me as a child. And the following year, on the Army Day, Pandit Nehru was the chief guest. My sister used to study in Miranda House. Her job was to serve Nehruji tea and coffee and she was standing next to him. And Lata Mangeshkar sang that song for the first time. Wow. Mere vatan ke logo. And you were there. And my sister was there. Wow. So that night, she came and told the story. And she's a very good singer. So mm. she sang that song. And that had a profound impact on me. In the following year, Nehruji passed away. And our school participated in his funeral procession. And I was playing the bugle. So these early childhood memories left a deep impact and I would ask myself the question, you know, I want to do something for my country but didn't know what. And fortunately we had a great spiritual master in our families, Swami Chinmayananda and uh, in conversation with him, I wrote my first mission statement in life when I was 19. Wow. I said, I, when I grow up, I want to contribute to India's economic development. But based on good values. And so I decided to do pursue an MBA, work with Tata's. And then I was looking for a smaller company in which I could make a difference. And I met Mr. Vikram Lal. Yeah. A very, very unusual person. I've never met somebody like him either before or after. A person with such profound values. And, you know, he hired me. I was 23 and a half. He hired me as the head of HR. Wow. And he would spend hours talking to me. Just hours. And, you know, it was such a wonderful sort of upbringing and then such a wonderful mentor to work with. Mm. I think these were the defining moments that really made us do many, many, many things in Aisha and later, mm. and uh, which we can talk more about. Sure. But I thought I'll just... No, that's absolutely fascinating. Yes. You speak of 1962, my father yeah. served there. And he was in Misamari and Tawang. Uh -huh. uh, so but that yeah. story is for another day with yeah. you. Yeah. So, you know, Anil, uh, talk to me about your first venture, which is the Grow Talent company. Yeah. What do you do yeah. in the company? So, you know, Grow Talent, before we started that, I had told uh, Mr. Lal and Aisha that after working with him for 10 years, I'll create a consulting company on my own. Mm -hmm. 
So then one day when the time came, he said, why don't you make it a subsidiary of Aisha? Mm-hmm. So we created a company called Aisha Consultancy. Okay. Its uh, vision statement was very unusual. Something that had come to me when I was mm-hmm. young. India's economic development without spiritual impoverishment. Mm-hmm. And we had for every one of those words, we had practice areas. We had like total employee involvement mm-hmm. to say people should not just be involved physically and emotionally and intellectually, but from the entire being, including the soul must resonate with the organization. For spiritual development, we felt people needed to understand how to do more with less for the benefit of more. Correct. And third, they needed to use the right means to make money. So we had done all this in Aisha Consultancy and it had become a significant company. And after running it for 10 years, I told the board I'll step down as the founder, which I did. I was chairman emeritus for two more years. And 2001, we created a company called Grow Talent. Okay. And Grow Talent's whole vision was helping people to realize their full potential. And in Aisha Consultancy, we did everything Mm. from strategy to operations to human resources. But we chose just this area of potential and talent and created a whole company based on that. And the most interesting thing is the funding for that came from all the clients of ECS. They offered money on their own. Okay. I'll never forget Mr. Noria, who was our first client, chairman of Crompton Greaves, mm-hmm. whose son Nitin is dean of Harvard. Mm-hmm. Mr. Noria called me to his home mm-hmm. and Mrs. Noria served a wonderful meal. At the end, Noria ji just signed a blank check and gave it to me saying, Anil, Nitin keeps sending me money for investment in India. And he told me, Anil, you must have made your house by taking a loan because as a salaried mm-hmm. employee of Aisha, you won't have had money. I Correct. said, yes. Mm-hmm. He said, please put whatever money you want. Analjit Singh of Max called mm-hmm. me home for breakfast and similarly told me, Anil, how much can I invest in your venture? Wow. So people gave money of their own mm-hmm. and that's how Grow Talent was founded. And in the visioning process that we did over three days in uh, Sidbadi Ashram of Chinmay Mission, where we go annually, mm-hmm. we created this powerful vision and everything about that vision was something that resulted in a practice area. Incredible. Helping people and organizations to realize their full potential. I can talk more about yeah. it if you like. Yeah. No, but let's move to uh, School of Inspired Leadership. Yes. I mean, that itself is a, what an institution you're creating. Yes. So tell me what was behind setting up this institution? Yes. You know, there's again a story. Many years back, a colleague, uh, B.P. Singh, who was in HR in Aisha, his father-in-law, Mr. Chopra, was MD of India Iron and Steel Company. Yeah. He one day began to talk to me and said, where is your father from? I said, from this place near Lahore called Kujranwala. And what was your grandfather's name? I said, Mr. So-and-so. He said, what is, was he the headmaster of the school there? I said, yes. He said, you know, he was my teacher. Okay. And then his eyes were full of tears that he suddenly got up and gave me a hug. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, your, your grandfather was the best human being one could. He really made leaders out of every person who studied there. Wow. And, you know, this story remained with me. And I said, when I grow up and I enter my 50s, I will get into education. So, an education as a means of transformation, yeah. not education as a way just to make money or to get people yeah. to get jobs. Yeah. So, that's what was behind. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was growing in my mind for yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. So when I entered my 50s, we created School of Inspired Leadership. Okay. And what is the mandate uh, or the mission of the school? See, 
I'll tell you, in the early 90s when I was heading Aisha Consultancy and setting it up, at that time, the board of both IIM Ahmedabad and IIM Bangalore both approached me to take over as directors of IIM Ahmedabad and wow. IIM Bangalore. Okay. I was a young man in my 30s and I asked Mr. Kulkarni, chairman of the board, who was our client from LNT, why do you want me there? He said, Anil, we have people who teach management, but we lack good leadership here. And he said, we really want you to come and help in building good leaders there. Mm -hmm. And the same year, Bangalore approached me. I said no, because I was very interested in setting up Aisha Consultancy. But at that time, the thought was striking me as to why why is our current management institutes are not producing the kind of leaders they should. So we thought there are five things. One, right from the time you admit people, you have to observe different forms of intelligence. Correct. This analytical intelligence is overrated. Correct. And that's not enough. We must look at creative intelligence. We must look at design intelligence. We must look at emotional intelligence. So, because the world has complex problems and only IQ will not solve these problems. The second thing we knew that the way students are taught, the teachers who are teaching. Mm -hmm. In India, unfortunately, when I did this survey, I used to go and recruit all from all the IIMs and other institutes. I used to ask students, how many teachers would you like to take on as your role models and mentors? True. I think in Ahmedabad, there were 10 or 15 percent. In other schools, it was less than that. So that means that teachers were not really role models of what they were teaching. For example, in one management school, the OB and HR guys were all the time fighting with each other, although they were teaching Correct. HR. Yeah. And I said, the kind of faculty we get, because I firmly believe you always teach who you are, yeah. irrespective of what you teach. Correct. So we thought we should get faculty who are role models, who are not just simply PhDs and researchers, but people who were role models in their companies, who have worked in industry, who have also worked in academics, mm. but who are really people whom you would look up to. Okay. The third part, we thought that just like in a company, we understood the leadership development is providing the right experience, mm. not just the classroom education. Mm. You know, that 70, Correct. 20, 10 principle. Yeah. So we said, we must create learning outside the classroom. Mm. And people must understand what that leadership experience is all about. Mm. So we innovated and created something called the Social Innovation Program. Okay. One day in a week, students work in teams mm. with a not-for-profit on a problem that they are helping them to solve. Okay. And thereby they invoke you know, compassion in their hearts mm. to work for people who are not like them. Mm. Then we said, when industry is trying to develop the future-ready people, we should be continuously observing what industry is paying attention to. So we should be developing this whole system's thinking so that it's not being taught just in functional disciplines like marketing, finance, but we should be looking at the problems that industry is paying attention to and develop that holistic thinking in students which they work on projects. Mm. And lastly, we felt that everything we do in the school should be co-created. So we, this school was co-created by 32 companies okay. who were our clients for many years, wow. right from Aisha mm-hmm. Consultancy. So everything from curriculum design to the kind of pedagogy to the kind of learning outcomes is co-designed with industry. So these are some of the very interesting things Amazing. about the school. Amazing. And you know, when I was reading about you, you said you got five pillars, compassion, yes. diversity, ethics, mindfulness and sustainability yes you know 
Yes. And I have a question later on, but I'm going to ask you this up front. Yes. What about gender balance? Yes. And as such a you know, yes. tall HR leader, yes. my question to you on gender balance is, yes. it's being discovered in India now. Yes. What can Indian companies do to expedite it? So first of all, in both in Aisha Consultancy and in Grow Talent and in Soil, we have a disproportionate number of women leaders. For example, in Soil, our dean is a woman, our head of HR program is a woman, the director of the new campus is a woman, the head of marketing is a woman. Okay. So key leaders, yeah. not just people in the middle, people right at the top. And that was true in Grow Talent as well. All my practice leaders, sure. many of them are women. Sure. I think this is because if you consciously want to have more innovation inside the company, I believe you have to design diversity. Okay. And so in our school too, when we take students, mm. whether it's their backgrounds, besides engineering, we consciously pay attention to those with liberal arts background. We consciously get more women. So we have one of the highest percentage of women enrolled in our business Fantastic. school. Yeah. And when we form teams in our school for people to work on the social innovation project, the gender diversity is an important part. There's a linguistic diversity. There is also diversity of backgrounds yeah. and things like that. And the way we define diversity is, we say you must recognize the uniqueness of each person and must learn to leverage that Correct. for the success of the whole. Correct. And the other concept that we often talk about, which is from the Indian philosophy, which is a concept of Ardhanarishwar, which is half man, half woman, that men need to have more empathy and the intuitive sense that women are supposed to have. And women must also develop this ability to execute things even when they might be certain situations of a kind Correct. that require a certain more aggression. But the stereotype of women is that they may not be more aggressive. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when both the energies are combined, then that's when leadership happens. Correct. So I think this is something that we are yeah. consciously trying to develop in our school. Yeah, that's very, very well said. Yeah. So, you know, when we spoke about your five values of compassion, diversity, ethics, mindfulness and sustainability. Yes. You're doing this very effectively in yes. School of Inspired Leadership. Yes. But my question to you is when you scan. Yes industry yes do you see these values uh, being imbibed or eroded by the leaders of today so first of all it is true that there aren't that many role models even inside workplaces very true so if you ask any one of the young people in uh, workplaces that how many of your leaders you are truly inspired by again a small percentage comes up and I think the good news is that those leaders who are truly understanding how to lead themselves better. So where did these five values come from? Mindfulness is about the capacity to be in the here and now okay. full presence yes. and having that self-awareness, which we call choiceless awareness, mm -hmm. paying attention to there is the witness inside you. And if that witness is the energy you invoke, mm -hmm. You will never do things which are shortcuts. You will never do things which are not good to, for people or fair to stakeholders. So that's the practice of mindfulness. Okay. Good news is a lot of companies are paying attention now to mindfulness. Okay. For example, one of our clients, Accenture, has a global program on mindfulness. And they're doing this with great intensity because they know that gives them the extra edge. Mm -hmm. 
because when you invoke this authenticity in people, it really makes them more attractive leaders. The second part, people are knowing that compassion is not just about doing good in society and serving the poor. By paying attention to your own team and people who work with you, to know them as people and not just as people doing some jobs, is something which pays them rich dividends because when they really get to understand the people at a deeper place and give attention to what they care about, this compassionate leadership makes them highly productive leaders. So I think a lot of companies are beginning to understand this. Third, the way we define ethics is how do you create value for all your five stakeholders? Right. Customer, employer, and owner, CEO, yeah. mm-hmm. is in any case the three yeah. they keep in focus, yeah. but the community mm-hmm. and the Mother Earth, which is the ecology, these are not things which are just desirable. Correct. So when we teach our students to take decisions, Mm -hmm. keeping five stakeholders in view, Mm -hmm. saying if you are creating value for all, then you are being ethical. Mm -hmm. If you are destroying value for Mother Earth and trying to make more profit for your shareholders or even giving customers what they want Mm -hmm. is not necessarily right. Right. So that's the way we define ethics. And the way we teach ethics in soil, Lucian Dubey and other uh, artists come, Amrita Lalji, they do an intense week-long theater simulation. Mm. So live case studies through theater mm. and students explore ethical dilemmas. Mm. Why did they take shortcuts for society here? Why did they ignore the customer there? Mm. Why did they completely ignore Mother Earth there? Yeah. So these kind of ethical issues are discussed. So that's how it is done. Fourth, sustainability. Companies are beginning to understand that they can't just watch quarterly results because they know that the entire system will come to haunt them if they don't take decisions which are balanced. Very true. And so now as students, we have boot camps on whole systems thinking, which are picking up problems which industry is concerned about and society is concerned about. For example, last year's problem was air pollution in Gurgaon. And the sponsor for that was this Air Veda, this woman who's the founder. She came to the class, posed the problem and students worked with multiple stakeholders to understand how to solve for this problem of air pollution. So we do this through this boot camp and whole system Mm -hmm. thinking. Mm -hmm. In diversity, as I already mentioned, right from the beginning, students are made aware of each other's strengths. And when they work in teams, we ask them to review that. And in my course that I personally teach on self-leadership, there is a whole class which invokes multiple intelligence in diversity. Mm -hmm. So some students who are very fond of theater they try to overcome their own fears through theater. Mm. Some people through music, some people through dance, some people through poetry, some people through sketching, and some people even through cooking. Wow. And there is a grand celebration one day, which takes place on 14th of August evening, Independence Day Eve, where the students celebrate their getting rid of their fears through the intelligence that is natural in them. So it's a very unique program and one of the most beautiful things that we do in soil to help students to overcome fears and to become. So these five pillars and including sustainability is not something just written on the board for us. It's been converted into real program with curriculum design and learning outcomes. So So it's more than just words. Yes. Amazing. So I've got one more question for you on soil before I move to some personal questions. Yes. Uh, and this question is uh, about millennials. Yes. You've worked with the equivalent age of millennials yes. ever since you started when you were 23 years old. Yes. And yet millennials are redefining yes. industry. Yes. 
what is your view on millennials yeah. and how do industries or companies yes. change themselves to accommodate their needs? Yes. The one aspect of millennials that I am very impressed with, which I think industry ought to pay attention to, mm-hmm. millennials really want to make a difference. They are refusing to believe that the complex problems cannot be solved. Correct. And they are much more selfless. Mm-hmm. Contrary to the stereotype that millennials only want to work for money, are very selfish, I completely disagree. I agree with you. I completely disagree. In fact, they are selfless. They want to work for society. They want to make the country better. And this is what we invoke in soil. And I believe that the millennials are very driven and they are not just necessarily going to say just because some senior people told them it can't be done, they won't do it. They would pursue that dream. All it requires is mentors like us who are older to provide them the encouragement and provide them the space to explore themselves. So if the millennials don't get that mentorship, it is a failure of us seniors who are Gen X and Y and Gen, you know, baby boomers Mm. or whatever you call some of us. Mm. I think it's more our failure rather than that. So, but I am extremely convinced that the God is becoming more and more quality conscious. And the younger people, including the Zenelials who are now entering the workforce, you know, some of them, I mean, we had a conference last year in Shiv Nada school. Mm -hmm. Our students and high school kids were together in the same conference. Mm -hmm. And we said, how would Gen M and Gen Z need to work with each other? It was a fantastic conference. And we found the Generation Z, in fact, having solutions by forming collaborations across the world. I mean, they were talking to their counterparts in Japan, in Germany, in Europe. And these young kids from Shiv Nada school were just amazing. Mm. And I see the same thing in other high schools, you know. So I think uh, these young people are really far more conscious. Correct. And they are socially far more responsible. Yeah, that's what I think. I agree with you. Sorry, I've got time for a few more questions. And yes. for you personally. Sure. Over the years. Yes. Um, and I know you've mentioned Mr. Lal, but have there been people who've had a strong influence on you? And yes. if yes, yes, what have you learned from them? From my father, I learned unconditional love and sharing with the underprivileged. When he was earning 500 rupees, he was taking out 50 rupees and sharing with Correct. the poor. When I formed my first company, the first board resolution was, we will give 10% of our gross profit for the poorest of the poor, mm-hmm. the grass profit, mm-hmm. and we maintained it from that day. Amazing. My mother, I learned something very, diff- you know, self-discipline. Mm-hmm. She was the most self-disciplined woman. From my siblings, I learned how to celebrate collective success. From my spiritual master, I learned how to strive for a higher purpose. From Mr. Vikram Lal, I learned how to be completely walking the right path without taking any compromises and always thinking about the others first. Right. From my wife, I learned a great amount. I met her when I was just 20. From Neera, I learned a lot about how to believe in yourself, how to not allow fears to overcome you know, your own mind. Mm-hmm. And she was a great friend and support. And the way she supported me at every stage, in fact, my all my international friends and clients, many, time, many would come and stay in my home. One time, 20 people were staying in my home. Mm. So she was a generous yes. host. Yes. And the way she sort of looked after the larger well-being, which she continues to do today. So I learned a lot. And from my children, I learned how to be just completely be in the now. Mm. My son from sports, my daughter in Bharat Natyam. 
So, you know, just I've been very blessed to have the right people in my life. So I, I would say that it has been a real blessing to be that's here. That's amazing. And that's amazing. And the fact that you've been able to take learnings from everybody who's yeah. touched your life is yeah. incredible. Yeah. Thank you. So my next question to you is that what would be three words that define Anil? I would say deep love for the country. Two childlike curiosity and three community creating a circle wherever we go i tend to create a circle and take responsibility for the whole so that's i, I love these three i mean like thank you. you couldn't have put it better thank you and my last question to you and this is on failure um i ask this from every every yes, guest yes. And that's because I believe that in India particularly, we don't teach our children yes. that it's okay to fail. Yes. Everywhere is come first. Yes. Be, you know, be a, right in front of the queue, etc., etc., yes. and that manifests itself in our behavior. Yes. And yet we fail. Yes, absolutely. So my question to you is that what have been some of your learnings yes. from some of your mistakes or yes. your failures? Yes. You know, when I was uh, heading HR, Vikram Lal transferred me to head operations in our plant. Okay. So at the age of 27, I had a thousand people working with me. Wow. There, while dealing with unions, there was a new union that had been elected by the workers. And I was taken for a bit of a ride by that union. They first made us uh, promise them that uh, we will give them a special reward for making some record production, which they did. In one month, we made 1,500 tractors in the plant for the first time. Then they started negotiating and negotiating very hard to get some kind of a gift for every worker, which was beyond our budget. And to put pressure on me, and I was a newly appointed works manager and the plant head, they deliberately started slowing down the production. Okay. So it was most embarrassing that one hand everybody celebrated record achievement one month and the next month it was one of the lowest in many years. Mm. And I was, you know, completely geared out by the one workers one evening and they wouldn't allow me to go home. So it was like complete deception. Mm. And this was a new union which had been elected and they did, they played dirty at that stage. Mm. And I would say that when they geared out us, and, you know, it was a complete failure. It was a loss of faith because I used to tell people we should trust the union. We should do all that. But there was a mischievous element. Yeah. So it was, I would say it was very embarrassing personally mm -hmm. for me and everyone. But then I decided without actually consulting anybody and much against the advice of many people to suspend the union president and the union leader wow. and took disciplinary action. Mm -hmm. They never thought that I'll do that, mm -hmm. but we did that. Now, it's a different matter that after a few months, we took them back sure. and the matter got resolved. But that particular failure, and I learned at that time, you should not just trust what people say, that you should pay attention to what others were trying to warn me about. And I think this part of me saying that everybody can be trusted, I think I learned a bitter lesson that everybody cannot be trusted because the people have their own political agenda. Mm. And I think I was not good at dealing with the so-called politicking. Wow. And I think I learned something out of that. That incident stands out to me as one of those mm -hmm. failure stories, mm -hmm. which Amazing. I think I learned a lot out of. Amazing. Anil, thank you very much. Thank I you. Mean, I, listening to you, I, I wish I could go back to school and come and study in, so in the School of Inspired Leadership. Yeah. But thank you for being so candid, candid so honest, and so transparent. 
Thank you, Ashutosh. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Really enjoyed meeting you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Brand Called You podcast. Be sure to visit tbcy.in to join the conversation, access show notes, and discover fantastic bonus content. You can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply search for the Brand Called You. Thank you, and see you next week.